Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. My name is Jeremy Greer, and I'll be your host today. This week's guest is Ario. Um, I know Ario from his blog, The CRT Souls. Um, if you haven't seen that, go look at that now. The link is in the show notes. There's a Tumblr page, and you can see all kinds of cool Dark Souls images. Um, Ario is a really, really interesting guy. He's very fascinated by architecture, specifically architecture in Dark Souls and Castlevania. It makes for a really interesting conversation. I know I'm using the word interesting a lot, but trust me, it's very interesting. <laughs> On top of all that, he's also a musician, so pay attention after the credits for a sample of his music, and I'll include a link to his SoundCloud so you can listen to more if you like it. As always, if you want to be on the podcast like Ario, go to don'tgiveupskeleton.com and find all of my social media links and ways to get in contact with me. Thanks and enjoy the show. Well, tell me how you um, like came to find Dark Souls. Like, what, what's your what's your history with the series? I think it was, it kind of started with Demon Souls. I, I, one of my friends had, I don't really know how he heard about it, but he just kind of happened upon the game somehow. And actually my experience with that was seeing him play it for most of the time. And that was just kind of in the back of my head, like, oh, this is an interesting kind of unexpected game. Um, just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. And I think it's, that's kind of how it felt for a lot of other people too, which is like, there's this sense, this growing sense of this, uh, interesting sort of outline game, uh, and in time, you know, enough people know about it that it sort of grows into a bigger thing, but that was in the back of my head. I didn't get a chance to play it because I am pretty poor <laughs> and it's usually like five or like, I don't know, four years down the line after a console comes out that I actually buy it like the last generation. So it was like, I don't have a PlayStation three. I don't, I'm not going to like buy a, a console just for one game, but eventually I guess it was just like, I saw preview images for dark souls and it was like, okay, this, this, like seems interesting enough and and I remember Demon Souls like looking pretty interesting that I guess I'll, you know, try to do what I can to play it somehow. So actually I had a friend who was nice enough to send me a PlayStation 3. It was kind of uh on the verge of death and <laughs> uh it was it was one of the earlier models that weighs like, you know, 10 pounds or whatever. And it actually lasted for, I don't know, a couple of years. Like he was expecting it to die, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks after sending it. So I had that. Um, and I had actually just bought a copy of Dark Souls, even if I wasn't actually going to get a chance to play it. Um, and it was, that was, uh, I feel like there are like usually a few um, sort of landmarks, like, in each sort of medium where you're just like having this experience that kind of sticks out from everything else. And, um, yeah, playing that was like taking me back, uh, like 10 or 15 years to other video games that I'd played where you have this sort of like, a like paradigm, uh, redefining, uh, experiences with these games. And usually for me, it was having this sense of, um, this sense of mysteriousness that uh, really draws you in and keeps you coming back as you are trying to um, trying to sort of uncover new layers of that experience um, each mm -hmm. time you're, re you're replaying the game and dark souls, like even, even just in the first file, like I was spending like, 20 hours or something like that in like the first couple areas and uh that that's crazy um that i like could spend that amount of time and just like the first you know and, and and kind of since then it's just been um i've been there i i've 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 you know looked forward to the sequels because it's sort of like oh this is this was a thing that was really interesting to me i want to see you know how it goes but you know the um the diminishing 
returns effect is is real and uh you know nothing at least for me the the second and third games are they're they're fine they have interesting things but mm-hmm. um it, it's still mostly for me like demon souls dark souls and i guess uh broadening it a bit bloodborne have been like the um the mo- by far the most interesting uh, uh modern games for me yeah. There's there's three games feel like a trilogy in and of themselves more so than Dark Souls one through three does to me like that that seems like the anthology of the Soul series more than like Dark Souls two or Dark Souls three and not taking anything away from those two games like there's there's things to love and there's you know there's things to both of those games are amazing like they're probably head and shoulders above most AAA games that sell five million copies nowadays um, but like there's something about like the worlds of demons and Dark One and Bloodborne that are just fascinating to me like they they seem more realized than dark souls two and three do i think it's that they're also you know they have the benefit of having these sort of self-contained worlds and even if you know dark souls two and three have you know ostensibly different locations that you're going to um you know it it was a lot more interesting for me to play bloodborne than it was to play dark souls three way way like way way more interesting here um just because of, of have this totally redefined and sense of how I don't know it just it, it engaged me a lot more and um, you you have this chance to sort of create a new relationship with a video game world that sort of is set on its own terms and you're not really trying to uh, figure out you know oh the how like how would I rank this is this better than this or is this better than that you know in the way that you kind of have a relationship with a like a delineated series you're kind of always trying to figure out like which one you kind of prefer and and it's kind of annoying Uh, (laughs) i kind of just like want to be like okay these games are all interesting and they all are doing different things and i kind of just uh it's easier when they're separated they don't have you know they're not trying to make connections between themselves i think it's um just I think it serves their their own narratives better when they don't have to connect back to something else. Like I, I feel like Dark Souls Two would have been just like if they had just named it like Dragon Souls and just had no references to Dark Souls One outside of you know patches or you know occasional item descriptions or Moonlight Great Sword or something like it would have probably been viewed as a better game than it was viewed at at the time that it was released because people's expectations going into dark souls 2 was like oh yeah we're going to continue the story we're going to link some fires or we're going to you know we're going to keep going and it, it kind of wasn't that and i think it, it hurt itself in the long run you, you mentioned spending like 20 hours in the first few levels of dark souls 1 can you kind of describe what you were what you were doing with that time like are you looking around and like are you just dying over and over again like most of us or are you uh, like learning the combat probably... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a learning process. Uh, I, I don't. It wasn't really. Um, I wasn't hitting my head against a brick wall. Like, I know that um, you know. I, I I've seen like horrifying posts on on forums where people are like, "Yeah, I uh, you know after a year long um, hiatus after like Ornstein and Smo uh, like ground my will into non-existence, I finally <laughs> returned and and won, and that was." <laughs> And that, that sort of stuff never really happened to me. Like I kind of, you know, the hardest, the hardest parts I might've died a handful of times, but I got past them. It was more of, um, yeah, it was just like taking in the game as slowly as possible. Like it was sort of this realization of like, oh, this is, this is like my first experience with this thing that feels really, really interesting. And I want to take as much time as possible um, and not rush through it at all. Um, so it was, it was trying to take in all the details, trying to just focus on discrete parts of the levels, taking in, you know, the architecture, how the world was connected. Um, and, uh, yeah, just trying to delay the end as, <laughs> as long as possible. Like <laughs> it's that feeling of like, I don't want this to end. So I'm going to just, you know, draw it out as much as I can tolerate. Is that something that you do with all games? Like, do you kind of look around at the architecture or is Dark Souls one just like, because it is based on actual architecture from the, from the real world. Like the, you know, the, everyone sees the buttresses in Anorlando or like the staircase that's in the, the central, the actual yeah. palace of Anorlando. Like does, does that work for other games as well? Or is it just specifically a Dark Souls thing? Uh, it'll work for other games. Like if, if the environments interest me enough, um, but 
these games kind of out like they kind of do feel separate from a lot of other um contemporary video games to me in that respect like they're they're giving me all of this architecture that i like i'm obsessed with this sort of stuff outside of video games and it's like oh okay here's like a made-up world where actually i can indulge all of these interests and um like i'm trying to think of another game where i might have done that i maybe dragon's dogma i'm not sure although that's kind of a weird choice but I did spend a lot of time with that game kind of unexpectedly. Um, I can't think of too many other games where I've done that, like since Demon Souls or Dark Souls, maybe Final Fantasy twelve. Okay. Oddly enough. I don't know, these are all weird games to sort of <laughs> mention, it feels like like really, really <laughs> flawed games that a lot of people don't like, but I somehow spent hundreds of hours with them. Those are both games that um, I've I've played a little bit of and like told myself at the time, like, I'm definitely coming back to this when I have the time. And now I'm like, it's 10 years later and I'm like, ah, I yeah. should have gone back to that when I had the time. I just, yeah. and I, I keep waiting for like, cause they put Dragon's Dogma on PC and I kept waiting for like the inevitable PS4 or Xbox one, you know, port of that to come out or yeah. to be announced. And it just hasn't happened yet. And the way that people talk about um, Dragon's Dogma like especially the later parts of the game, like climbing monsters and, and things like that sounds really, really fascinating to me. And I, just, I feel, I feel guilty for not going to explore that game more. So. It, it's interesting, especially the expansion where they sort of turn it into a sort of more dungeon crawly uh, mold. Um, but yeah, if, I mean, if you ever have the compulsion, I would totally try to give it another shot. So the, uh, the, the architecture and stuff in Dark Souls 1, um, like you mentioned, like looking at it, is, was that the kind of inspiration for the, the Tumblr blog, which is how I found you, which is the CRT Dark Souls? Oh, um, I started that. I actually had, um, I had started a blog somewhere else. It was probably on a blog spot. Um, uh, I had started it actually for Castlevania, which was the video game series that I kind of started to be uh pretty obsessed with um like in the early aughts i think like right around when actually the same friend who was playing demon souls i saw him playing symphony of the night and what that was also sort of like oh this game looks really interesting i kind of want to see if i can spend more time with that which was a little bit easier um i guess uh it wasn't as expensive to get a playstation as it was to get a playstation 3 mm-hmm. between those different periods but I started that for Castlevania and it was sort of the intention was picking apart the level designs and talking about how they functioned and what I thought was visually interesting. And it kind of has strayed a little bit from that. It's, it's really, it's been more souls and bloodborne related for the past year or a couple of years or something like that. Um, just because those are the games that I'm playing more often now and replaying, but, um, it was originally going to be sort of like, I'm going to go through this game and talk about the stage design, and then I'll go to the next game and do the same thing. And after a while, that was like, uh, this is too much work, and <laughs> I, I don't have enough followers, and I'm not getting money. And it's kind of not worth it at this point to be putting so much time and energy into these really like hyper-detailed write-ups that I feel aren't like getting the kind of responses that I want. So it sort of switched over to stuff that um, was less, uh, uh, I guess, pick a party. And I, the, the themes became a little bit more broad than just talking about specific instances of stage design. But the int- that interest is still there. That's still, um, I think, my biggest interest with video games is environment design. How does um like just picking the the top three on our pile, Demons and Bloodborne and Dark One, like um in the case of environmental design, do any one of those stand stronger stand out stronger than the rest of them? Like in my mind, I would I would have to imagine like Bloodborne, but then I think like oh wait, there's the Tower of Lotteria, like it has to be Demon Souls, and then like oh wait no no wait wait there's that thing in Dark Souls One that I like so much, it's got to be Dark Souls One. <laughs> <laughs> like and all my children are, are great children, like I can't pick a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't know they they're all doing such interesting things i don't think i could pick one over the other um 
I, I guess with Bloodborne, there, there's also the interesting sort of subtopic of the chalice dungeons and sort of what those present, but also how uh, how limited the execution is because you have all of these reused um, room types for each of them, um, which makes it, I don't know, I, I think about the dungeons actually, like when I think of Bloodborne, they kind of like pop into my head immediately for some weird reason. I think I might have played too much of them but uh, <laughs> uh well you're, you're right you're you're well at home on this podcast because i'm i'm, I'm maybe <laughs> the biggest apologizer for the chalice dungeons out there like i'm, I'm a big fan even with it with all of their flaws and like recognizing like oh the grinding is kind of miserable and like they, they're not as you know full of variety as they could be but like the 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 potential and the possibility and like it's there is something fascinating about exploring like it just a soul's world without no having any idea of what it is. It's going to be random every time, even if it's just a combination of like 10 room types. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I kind of, I think I probably said this before somewhere, but I, it was like, I, I really would have taken like a huge, um, expansion to the, um, uh, uh, the chalice dungeons are just some sort of like uh, sort of reifying of them over actually like any sort of Dark Souls sequels, honestly. Like that that felt like a lot more of an interesting idea um, than, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like I see all of this stuff about the DLC for Dark Souls 3 and, and it kind of feels like I, I really wish they had gone back to the Chalice Dungeons and, and sort of modified them in some way through a patch or, or DLC or some something else. Um, and I don't know. There was something interesting about that. I, maybe I was sort of coming off of Dragon Dog, like Dragon's Dogma a little bit too hard there <laughs> because uh, the dungeon crawling there is sort of the same thing where you have these room types and they're just sort of uh, rearranged for each uh, stratum. Um, so I was a little bit more willing to accept them uh, after that. But yeah, I, I, the worlds between those three games are like, they do such different things and such a bunch of interesting things. Um, I, I don't think I could prioritize one over the other. They they all seem sort of valid in what they're setting out to do. It, it sounds, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like these games are like a... Are, are very much like a single player focus game with you, like kind of taking your time through the world and exploring every inch and, and every crevice of it. Um, do you, do you participate in any kind of the online stuff at all? Or like, do you like, you know, demon souls had the weird world tendency systems and the, the, that's something oh, that's yeah. super fascinating and interesting. And then, but like, even just like bringing people into your world or seeing phantoms or anything like, do you, did you get into the multiplayer aspect at all? I got into it insofar as I, used help if I needed help. And mm -hmm. then I kind of felt um, motivated after people helped me to help other people. It was sort of this like, uh, you know, take and give effect of like, oh, someone out there like, you know, was like generous enough to, I don't know, wait like 10 minutes for someone to summon them or something because the summoning signs are weird in dark souls one, right? Like you can only walk so far before they suddenly disappear. Yeah. <laughs> and then in dark souls two and three, the, the designers were kind of like, eh, that's kind of a bad idea. We'll let you walk around like the entire area. Like you have to go to a totally different area for the summon signs to disappear. Um, so I, I got help when I needed it. Um, or I felt like I was just kind of bored by, like the boss and I was dying too much to it. And I was like, I get to a point where it's like, okay, I, I could like spend two more hours on this, you know, trying to learn everything, but I kind of just like, I'm more interested in exploring the world. So I'm just going to some, you know, get some help and move on. Um, I never got into doing the PVP stuff that much, mm -hmm. maybe for a little bit when I had a friend who was also doing it, like really into that. And we would, I don't know, have like hour two hour sessions, like in the forest and dark souls and just doing silly shit, like throwing the prism stones onto all the trees to make it look like <laughs> Christmas time or whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, that was, that was the best, like the best PVP experiences I have are just like summoning weird people who are doing weird shit and like having these sort of weird wordless interactions, um, and not really actively seeking out like, 
I don't know, like having explicitly uh, like combatives or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that stuff never really interests me. And kind of, I, I feel like the more codified the games became, the less I was interested in the multiplayer, actually, to be honest. Like they 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 made the covenants, you know, more understandable and, and sort of the effects and, and how you might be summoned more, more sort of like uh, more clear with each iteration. But I kind of preferred the multiplayer aspects as like these sort of opaque systems where um, they lent more mystery and sort of anxieties to the experience of playing the game, which is why I like the world tendency so much is uh, it, it's, it's, I guess it's not, the same as like multiplayer, but you are having this uh, sort of this thing that's happening sort of outside of sight in a way, and it's influencing the game, uh, the game world in s- somehow. And um, that's kind of how I enjoyed the multiplayer, which is like I could go through this area and not experience like someone trying to ruin my life by <laughs> by uh, camping in like a really annoying position. Mm-hmm. and trying to kill me or that could happen and somehow make that experience a little bit more interesting. So um kind of at this point it's like I know what to expect and the that multiplayer uh element to the games is kind of like eh, I could take it or leave it. it it kind of doesn't seem to matter at this point for me. Um you know talking about the world tendency and um and Demon Souls and Dark Souls one that both have such weird online components that are you know, you say the word, you said the word opaque and that, that's, a, that's a great description of it. Like world tendency is, is almost like even today, like, you know, five, six years into that game's life, I probably couldn't give you an accurate description of world tendency, like of, and how, how to accurately change it and like how it interacts with character tendency and how that interacts with server tendency and all those things. But, um, it was just so weird. And like the vagrant system in dark souls one was so weird. There was a former guest of the show that wrote a blog post, Illusory Wall, talking about how how just great and weird Dark Souls 1 was with this stuff and how none of it really made sense and it didn't really have to exist. It just did because it could and how they, the games have kind of lost that as it's going along. He wrote it right before Dark Souls 3 came out, kind of hoping that Dark Souls 3 would have those things. Yeah. And it really doesn't. Like, it's the, like as you said, like all the covenants just kind of make sense. Like, they're to fight other people or to protect other people by fighting other people or to get summoned to go fight other monsters or other people like that's pretty much it like there's nothing like i don't know man like you know going into the same area in demon souls when you had a you know black tendency black world tendency and realizing like oh wait there's there's a red phantom here or going in with white tendency it's like there's a whole other person i can talk to this is crazy where where were you when the last time i was here like that stuff is so good to me and it i really wish they had like kept up with the weirdness of those two original games yeah uh like i kind of uh, I kind of don't want to do too much of like the like Dark Souls was the best what sure. happened mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of yeah. discussion because it seems kind of like it always comes up. But yeah, that uh, I actually know the post that you're and, and person you're referring to. Um, yeah, that that's that's the kind of stuff I love. That's like that's why I like games like Symphony of the Night so much in part because you have all of this like stuff, all of this sort of like clutter. It's like you could you could take it out, it could still like be a functional game, but all of this um, you know, all of these sort of uh weird superfluous additions um make the sort of mysteriousness of what's already there like even more confounding. Like I the Gravelord Covenant was so like that's such a great idea. <laughs> it's so flawed. Uh, <laughs> I, I at this point now, it's like I, I kind of if I ever experience it, it's it's like I just see like the the message of like disasters are gone after the Gravelord like uh, servant was was defeated or whatever. And it's like I never even got to see it. Like <laughs> oh, no. um, but it's also cool because it's like half the game I've never seen infected by the Gravelord servants. So I, there's this, you know, whole experience of like, like actually these environments, these experiences of like going through these environments I've never had. And it's kind of just out there waiting to happen. It probably won't ever happen, but the fact that like it could happen um, makes it, you know, interesting to me. Um, yeah, same for the, the world tendency. It's like, I, I haven't met probably like a third of the NPCs in Demon's Souls because of world tendency. 
And like, I'm fine with that. Like, I like that I can do something arbitrary, you know, maybe five years from now, mm-hmm. and I'll just suddenly have this, you know, chance encounter possibly. And I, I like that. I like, you know, I'm not out there trying to like look at the wikis and figure out like how to do something. Like I kind of just want it to happen based on my arbitrary choices. There's something fascinating and, and gamers work against it all the time because like by nature, it seems like most gamers, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like cast dispersions upon gamers or anything like, but it seems like most people who play games, like they want to experience 100% of the game, no matter what. Like if I bought the $60 game, I want my $60 with the content. And uh, it's interesting that from and in all of the games, we'll leave just giant optional areas that are completely missable. Um, playing Bloodborne for the first time when it came out, like all of my friends were like, oh my God, I got kidnapped. Now I'm in this whole other area. And I was like, what do you mean you got kidnapped? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I it just, I just totally missed it. And like reading up on it later realized like, Oh, this thing can happen. And I just, I didn't have that experience. So like my fundamental experience with that game was different than a lot of the people that I was talking to at the time. And that to me is fascinating to, that a game designer can let a player like just, Hey, yeah, it's okay if they miss this. Like if they want it, they can get it back or if they go through it again, maybe that they'll see it, but we want them to have their own experience without, you know, press X to enter the DLC. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, It's always it's yeah. always fascinating to me, like to give players that much uh, leeway, I guess. Yeah, that that was a great part in Bloodborne. I think that like that that for me, I don't know if that's like my my favorite moment from the game, but but it's up there. Like I love I love that like that moment of sort of this this re like forceful relocation and and uh, I, I it's it's sort of similar, I guess, in some ways to dark souls with the cease boss uh boss battle where you're you're killed and suddenly you you reappear in this far-flung dungeon you have no idea where you are um and it's and it, it disrupts like the conventions that you kind of are used to mm-hmm. and it is kind of it is kind of like a mean move on the developer's part but i i don't know i i kind of expect i kind of expect like some arbitrary sort of mean decisions on the developer's part. Like I kind of like that stuff sometimes and, you know, dying and you are waking up in this jail cell and having no idea where you are. Like that was, that was great. I wish, I wish the game had more of that stuff actually of just sort of like, uh, just these, these sort of things, these moments where your control is, is sort of taken away, you know, your sort of agency is taken away and uh, you have to sort of re you have to uh, sort of like remake sense of what's going on and what was trying, what was already going on was already confusing enough. <laughs> so <laughs> it's um, it, it, it reminds like it's, it's, I don't know if you've played the witness, but the witness does really cool things with rule sets where you think you understand everything. And I introduced one new mechanic and that you're like, wait, now everything that I've learned before this, that actually was wrong. And it's actually this, but, what I was doing just fit that original rule set. It just wasn't quite what I needed to do. Like it was, it's one of those things I had never thought before of the comparison to dying to Seath and waking up in the jail cell. And like that, that comparison is very striking to me because in Bloodborne, when you wake up in the, in the jail or the Gaul, I don't know how you pronounce that word in that, <laughs> the way it's spelled, but uh, we'll say jail. Yeah, Yargle. yeah exactly. <laughs> you gotta Yargle. get, you gotta get real pirate into it. Yargle. Um, yeah. But in both instances, you wake up in that jail cell and you're kind of confused. The game has taken away that like, okay, you, when you die, you wake up at the lamp or the bonfire and now you're in a different place. And then both of them overlay music into the world where there has not been music before. Like in, in Dark Souls 1, like there's that weird like yeah. mechanical xylophone. Um Gramophone. gramophone that's at the bottom and then there's that weird chorus thing that you'd really never hear in bloodborne that real deep like you know bassy chorus and both of them are mm-hmm. very very unsettling that's kind of a fascinating comparison I, I never really put those two together in my head until you mentioned it yeah um yeah i, I guess i don't know what else to say <laughs> <laughs> i didn't really leave you much room for conversation there no, it's, it's fine all, all i want to say is there it's uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. I, yeah. I love those parts of the games. Did yeah. you um like? Are you you mentioned that like the Dark Souls three DLC? Did you go back through? Um, I, I guess scratch that real quick. How 
we've kind of talked around the games a little bit, but like, how much do you get into the the lore and the story? Like, how long did it take you to realize like the game was telling you things via item descriptions and things like that? Because if you weren't looking at Wikipedia's like or oh. watching YouTube videos, I, I can imagine like <laughs> trying to figure all of that stuff out for yourself. It's very difficult. I I have a really passive approach to trying to figure the games out. Like, um, I kind of I'm I mostly understand sort of what the I, I guess it's it, the, I guess the interesting thing is that you can't say you understand Dark Souls. It's sort of like you understand what the sort of uh, majority interpretations of it are. Um, there's still a lot of room for for sort of these marginal um, marginal interpretations of of characters and relationships and what actually is is true and what's false but i think i understand dark souls the best of any of the games just because it seems to have been the one that really kick-started that whole sort of cottage industry of like people trying to dissect you know uh, every single bit of text and trying to figure out what relates to what mm -hmm. um and i sort of just absorbed that over time not really like actively but just sort of like by exposure to it just because it's it's kind of like everywhere if you're looking for stuff about dark souls so uh it, for me i'll i'll play the game and i'll i'll read stuff but i kind of i'm not really trying to make those associations my first time through or really even necessarily like my second or third time through like i have this information at the back of my head and i might try to link uh some things together but i'm kind of content to leaving a lot of it sort of unanswered like that's kind of I guess that's sort of like the thing that keeps coming up is that I like leaving these big gaps uh, for sort of like reinterpretations or ambiguity. And I don't really want to figure this stuff out. Like I kind of like Bloodborne's narrative the best because it is, it does feel the most confusing to me and the one with the most gaps and how much it's actually uh, like giving you to work with. And um, like that game's narrative and sort of the backstory to everything is like a huge mystery. I know that like people have written, I think one guy wrote like, like a hundred page, uh, <laughs> sort of like backstory yeah, to Red some Grave. of the characters. Yeah. yeah. I was Red like, Grave how did, did he yeah. do that? Like, like there's, <laughs> how did he like get that much, uh, sort of like information out of like such, so little text, but it's, I guess it's possible. You just have to you know, have enough of an imagination to sort of, uh, you know, it, it, it really is a sort of fan fiction. I, I think it's an interesting sort of fan fiction. You are, you know, given these sort of scraps and you have to, if you want to like build them up, you have to make these, a lot of assumptions. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it kind of, it, it became such a big thing after a while that mm -hmm. I kind of like, reacted against it like i don't i don't know i kind of i guess that sort of became the same as people saying like doing the same boring like tough but fair design discussion where it was like i get it like i like yeah we kind of like understand the design of these games in that respect can we please talk about something else and it sort of became that way about like the narratives where it was like yeah i i know you can talk about like you know who this night might have been, but I kind of don't care. <laughs> and uh, I care about uh, other things than those, and I prefer to talk about those. I'm glad that those discussions exist. I just, mm -hmm. I'm kind of not interested in them. Yeah. What What would be some of the things like that you would like to see, you know, take over YouTube next if it's not lore videos? <laughs> not that actually take um, over YouTube, but like, what are the things that you're you're most fascinated with or interested in when, in these games? I I'm really interested in trying to make connections between sort of uh how how some of the environments are set up and sort of real life parallels between um urban design I guess and trying to see comparisons between like between intentionality like the the intentionality of the game designer and how that sets up um your experience of a space and the intentionality of an architect or a, a, you know any sort of civil engineer and how that sets up these sort of interactions you have in the real world um and it's kind of a, a complex topic i don't really expect that to ever become popular but um <laughs> but, the, but the closest thing that we have is sort of these big 
that I think that there's at least one video that tries to make um that tries to make like a, a commentary on the different Dark Souls games and their level design and how it, it evolved uh between the the different um iterations. Um so yeah, the closest thing I guess to that would just be like talking about the level design that really interests me mm-hmm. and the parallels between that and and real life architecture. Um I'm interested in the soundtracks and why they're kind of really boring and <laughs> why <laughs> and like i don't know if that's an opinion you have but i kind of feel like demon souls was was like pretty interesting and in how it had like a really small scale actual orchestra like trying to pound out these really powerful things and they feel kind of goofy because they're straining so hard despite like the limitations of the orchestra but like mm-hmm. that's way more um like that's like way more more material for me to like think about than just like really really bombastic like overscored synthetic orchestras for like every single boss in dark souls 3 you, you um, can't see me right now but i'm nodding so hard my glasses <laughs> fell off um i, I like i like 100 percent agree demon souls has this like weird sometimes almost queasy vibe to it um and like just this these kind of weird tones and and things and like that really make boss battles and and whenever they play music much much bigger and more interesting um but like you follow it all the way out to dark souls 3 and it just you just get weary of it like like oh there's another like and there's there's good music in there like there's i was um a friend of mine is doing a project where he's covering some some souls music and uh like he asked me to go through some songs and like recommend some to him, like something that called out to me. And like, so I listened to the entire bloodborne soundtrack and like the, there's some melody and there's some like pieces and some segments in like the cleric beast soundtrack with that, or the cleric beast theme song or song or whatever you want to call it that are really interesting, but just are just so overwhelmed by, like you mentioned the bombast, like the, this huge orchestra, just like at full volume playing as loud as they can. And um, it's it's kind of disappointing. Like, <laughs> there's there's good stuff there. I wish I wish they would kind of pare it down to something more simple. Even like go back to the. Have you ever played the Kingsfield games? Like the, the soundtracks on those games are just yeah crazy interesting. Like they're just fascinating to listen to. Yeah, I haven't played all of them, but I have listened to most of the soundtracks, and yeah, it's it's such a stark contrast to uh to yeah the later the the souls games um i i do actually like bloodborne's soundtrack a lot but it 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 does feel uh like it feels different to me than dark souls 3 because they do have an actual orchestra and they can't like it, it it like it does try at times to be extremely loud and overwhelming but Mm -hmm. it still isn't as loud and overwhelming (laughs) as anything in dark souls 3 like dark souls 3 is like first boss it's theme sounds like a final boss theme to me. And I'm like, uh, what's like, what's the distinction that I'm supposed to be making here? Like this sounds like the most important thing ever is happening, but fighting <laughs> exactly. a tutorial boss. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like it's so, every single boss is the most important thing ever in dark souls three. Right. Like, and it's, it's, yeah. and it's not at all. Like very few of them are very important to be honest with you. Yeah. But it's, it's, and it's, oh, man, I, I, I want it to be better. And like, there's, there's music in there that I like so much, but, um, the, the example that I go always go back to is the, uh, the, the soul of cinders theme, like when they bring in Gwen's theme from dark souls one. And it's to me, and, and I, I, I don't know if you share this opinion or not, but to me like that, they just like, they didn't ruin that song for me, but like, it was just totally inappropriate. Like at that point I was just like, Ugh, I don't know why you're like, I know why you're doing this and I, hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I know no, exactly I, what you're doing and I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, Oh, remember this? It, it, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the games kind of afterwards where it sort of is like, it, you can understand why they're doing it. They're making that association, but it's kind of like, uh, I'm like, you're so focused on like it. It's a way, way, way harder boss fight than Gwen. And you're so focused on the intensity of that, that kind of when the like the soft piano comes in, it's like, okay, great. But I'm, I'm really focused right now and I'm trying not to die. <laughs> and, I, and I just have three gulps left on my high C. Um, I kind of like, can't like, it's, it's, it's such a way more intense battle than Gwen. And, uh, it's trying to bring this sort of like concentration and solemnity to the battle, but it's like such, it's, it's like a really, really intense fight. And it it kind of feels at odds with what they're trying to do sort of thematically with bringing that theme back in. Um, yeah. 
it, it feels real disparate from one another. And that's like the and uh, the, the example of like it, the the tutorial, bo- tutorial boss sounding like the music sounding like the final boss is just. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the perfect encapsulation <laughs> of that. Of like, oh yeah, I've, I've been playing this game for like thirty minutes, and I've, is this the ending? Like, I'm already done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, it's a lot of fun. So I, I don't know. I don't know if if you wanted me to talk more about the the CRT thing or, or I don't, I guess I don't, when you first contacted me about mm-hmm. that, I think my response was like, okay, but I don't, I don't know how much I can say, about it, but I'll, <laughs> I'll do the podcast if you want me to. Yeah. So, I, um, the, the goal of this podcast, it was always to, um, I had, I had two goals. One was to be able to talk about dark souls all the time without my wife killing me. And, um, so <laughs> 60, 70 episodes later, like 70 hours later, I'm still going strong with that, but also to like, um, to find people that have these souls experiences that are interesting. And I mean, like there's people that like put their content out on the internet, like, and I've had YouTubers and podcasters on the, on the, on the show before. Um, but also people that don't like put their content out there that are just out there. So very much so like, I, I'd, I'd like to, um, I'd like to kind of like how you came up with that idea. And I think we kind of covered a little bit of that, but, um, like if you, if you have more things you would like to say about it, go, go right ahead. Like we don't, we don't necessarily have to talk about just that though. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, I mean, I don't actually know how I started, like why I started doing that. Um, or why I thought it would lead to anything that looked interesting. I, I, I think I started it back in, I think like late 2015 or something like that. Maybe it was sometime in 2016. And, and um and real quick for if anybody's yeah. out there listening let's um what what is what is the name of the site that people can look to um uh, to, to go to look at this like while they're listening to this because that might the, that might help people know what we're talking about <laughs> yeah um the tumblr uh name is brick by brick and i think my tumblr name is the same as my twitter handle which is doshmanziari Yes. which mm-hmm. I will we'll provide spelling for that. <laughs> yeah, it'll, that'll be in the show uh, notes. So just, you know, click yeah. on the notes on your, on your podcaster app of, of choice. So. Yeah. So it's brick by brick. And um, yeah, I, I guess I just thought that the results I was getting when I was, again, I don't really know why I started doing it. Just taking photos of my really bad um, TV that I'd found on the street, like a few years ago. Um, <laughs> it has, a, it doesn't have sound in one of the speakers. Um, Excellent. you need to, you need to wiggle the cables to make even the video component, um, respond. Um, you can't, if you touch it, like the video is going to disappear. I was actually going to ask um, if these were using like S video or component video or what, like what kind of, what kind of hookups you were using on this so component. Yeah. I'm just using like, um, uh, yeah, it's just like the, the uh the what is it, like the red and yellow jacks mm-hmm. from the yeah. So um I thought the results were really visually interesting. Like it 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 doesn't look like that when I'm playing the game. It doesn't look that fuzzy and sort of indistinct. Like it looks pretty okay. Uh like I I have never had the experience of looking at these games being played on like really huge high definition TVs and felt like, uh, I kind of, I wish I had that. Like I'm, I'm totally happy playing the first dark souls and dark souls two on like a small, uh, standard definition television. Um, so it looks fine. It, you, you take these photos with the cell phone, suddenly all of these details, like they converge, you get weird sort of striation bands because of the, you know, the television, just how the technology works. You get alterations of color. You get sort of these parts that are more distinct turn of these, these like abstract um, forms. So you're sort of getting a, a different, you're getting sort of a, another interpretation of how these games might look. And I took it as, like this is something that I can continue doing as a way of finding things I hadn't seen before in the game from Mm -hmm. certain angles. Um, And there was a lot that I hadn't noticed before actually that this project like helped like sort of point my conscious attention to, but it was also me taking it as an opportunity to just sort of like, uh, re-experience the game in like a really 
singularly minded way. Like this is what I'm setting out to do. And I want to sort of spend as much time as I can again, sort of similar to the first time that I was playing the game uh, in each of these areas and really take in uh, all of their details and try to find like interesting camera angles and, and, and sort of focal points that people might not be paying attention to otherwise, but which also helps me sort of, um, you know, it's, it's just the same as any other like replay of a game. Ideally, like the best sort of replays are ones where you're sort of uh, uncovering a new dimension of your relationship to that game. And for me, this was sort of like uncovering new dimensions to the environments um, and just letting me appreciate them more. Is this, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you also do the like ambient sounds YouTube videos? Oh yeah. I just started doing that like a couple of weeks ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, Um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, Um, I'm fascinated with those because, uh, one of my, like I had a, I had a really interesting experience with Dark Souls one where, um, I don't remember what, what the situation was. It may be one of those things where I was like waiting for a friend summon sign to show up in the undead berg so we could goof off or whatever. But um, I just happened to have um, my speakers turned way, way up without realizing it. And then um, like unmuted it. And I could hear like all of these and the undead berg, especially like it's almost like whispering that's happening in there. Like you can kind of hear like all of this thing. And it made me want to like go put on headphones and just like turn it up as loud as I could to hear all this detail that you don't normally like really pay attention to. And then just like you were saying with like seeing this game from a different angle, like all of a sudden it brings like a new dimension to this game of like, like thinking about what the developer intended. Like, why is this here? Like you can barely hear it. Like you you, probably hardly anybody ever notices it. You know, if they do, they probably just ignore it. So like, why is it here? What feeling is it supposed to give me is is fascinating. Is that like, what, what, what kind of made you start that, that YouTube series as well? I think that was, well, first it, it was just sort of like, oh, I can do this. Like, I don't have the option to just record a video with Souls on the PlayStation 3. Like, PlayStation 4 has a sort of, you know, built-in streaming function. Mm-hmm. So I can I can just, you know, record and take screenshots as I want to, which is really handy. Um, and there were pre-existing uh, series like that, actually. There is one on YouTube where a person has gone through, I think, all of Dark Souls uh, areas and has this sort of like, you know, field recording, um, endeavor where they're just, you know, standing there for 10 minutes or something like that, letting the ambient sounds play out. Um, so I was thinking of that. I was also thinking of, there's also one for Bloodborne. I don't know if it's every area, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty thorough. Like you can just find these, I think by typing in like, uh, Bloodborne ambient sounds or ambient audio or something like that, they'll probably turn up. Um, yeah, and I couldn't find that many for Dark Souls 3, and I just thought it was, like, uh, a way to sort of fill that gap. I Mm -hmm. I assume it, you know, someone will eventually do that, but I was like, ah, I'll just do it for the hell of it. You know, it'll, I also sort of like these fixed shots of, like, video game environments, where it, it kind of goes against what you expect a video game video to be, which is, like, you know, a let's play or or whatever, or a playthrough, or a, a speed run, where it's just sort of like the person is actually just playing through the game, and you have that sort of vicarious experience of of uh, of them, you know, moving through these environments and and doing whatever. But these are sort of like an opposition to that, where you just kind of like have uh, a moment of you know moment of stasis and just focusing on one thing. They're, they're absolutely fascinating. And I, like, um, I was, I was talking to some people about, um, because I was kind of preparing for this, uh, interview today. Um, and I was listening to some of that stuff and like looking through the Tumblr and things. Cause not that I don't just look through the Tumblr, like some of the, some of those are my favorite screenshots in the world. <laughs> like <laughs> they're just really, really fun. To, like if you're, if you haven't already, please go to the, the, the Tumblr and like, take a look at some of them. Like they're, they're just fascinating to look at and it gives you like a whole different view of dark souls. So, and I was, I was, I was like, I kind of, um, like I linked with some of that and somebody was like, did you do all this? I was like, no, 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 this is not mine. Like, this is a guy that I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Like, but, <laughs> and they were just like, man, this is really good. I've never even thought about doing this. So it's, it's, it was a really interesting thing. 
Um, Ario, thank you very much for spending an hour with me today. I, I really appreciate it. This is this has been kind of a fascinating conversation, and I, I, I very much appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your day. Can you um, tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, um, I I have a Twitter account. Uh, it's the same as the Tumblr account. I think it's it's at Doshmanziari. It's D O S H M A N Z I A R I. Um, and so yeah, there's a, there's a Twiddler, 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 and uh, <laughs> brand new social network Twitter. from DontGiveUpSkeleton.com. Yeah. <laughs> Not Twitter.com. Um, there, yeah, there's the Tumblr. Uh, I think that's mainly it. I, I do have a SoundCloud, but that's kind of its own separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, but as far as like as far as those things go, like with writing, yes, it's just mostly Twitter and Tumblr. I did have a Gama Sutra or Gama Sutra, however you pronounce it, um, account, and then I was like, I'm not being paid. I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's fun to do for a while, and then like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending four hours yeah. on this article? <laughs> yeah, I completely um, understand that. Yeah. So I, I think that's it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks again for being on the show. I, I very much appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find this podcast and all of its various social media accounts at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. Um, you can also find links to come onto the show, um, like Ario. Uh, just send me an email and or whatever, and we'll, we'll you know put you on my guest list, and we'll get it figured out. Thanks for listening. If you have time, leave me an iTunes review. It kind of helps spread the word of the show. If you can't do that, maybe tell a friend about it that's into Dark Souls just as much as you are. Thanks, and remember, don't give up skeleton.